Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, August 9th, and uh, and the baseball's still going on. We got tons, we got stuff going on. We got stuff in the works for NFL coming up. That's coming up soon, right? So, uh, kind of doing a little preparation. I'm working on, uh, uh, the 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 advanced version of the theory of DFS. So I uh, did, did a little not on Twitter as much or in Discord as as often as as usual for the next uh, two weeks or so. But uh, that'll be coming out shortly. So we got a lot of stuff. It's kind of like the like it's it's a slow before the the calm before the storm. Is that what they call it? The calm before the storm. But it's not calm in the in the YouTube chat. Wataz Suki Singh, Mister Richard. Good morning, Mister Richard. Good morning. Hit that thumbs up button on your way in the door. You know how much I love those those thummy thumbs in the morning. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got a 14 game slate. 14 game slate tonight. Uh, they'll be handling uh, most of that later on Grinders Live and Crunch Time. I, I'm willing to talk about anything this morning. I'm willing to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. So if you're on the YouTube chat, ask your question, post your comments. I'll, I'll talk anything, anything you want, even even Steve's. Steve's in the in the chat. Good morning, good morning to Steve. Good morning, right? It's it's get, getting up early. This early for us is uh, I mean, I you know it's eleven in the morning. It's like getting up this early. It's like yeah, but when you don't go to bed until you know one, two in the morning, whatever. That's that's what happens. Uh, yesterday on uh, the baseball slate, uh, I went from uh, pretty much not thinking that I was going to cash at all or any, or anything to uh to actually, you know, 2.5xing my money in the like the 121. I had a I like I played one lineup yesterday. That's it. I've been I've been working on stuff. So I'm I'm not I'm not I'm I'm playing a little on prize picks. I'm trying to trying to do stuff over there. I'm playing a little on DraftKings, maybe a little on fan like just like one lineup, three lineup stuff like that. But uh I was shocked at how low on the Yankees were yesterday. Right, I thought they would be way, not way higher on, but not. And now on the one twenty one, I mean, the ownership gets kind of, kind of wacky, right? The chalk becomes chalkier, and the stuff that isn't the chalk becomes even less owned. Uh, but I thought, like going, I mean, the Yankee game was the the late game, and of course the Blue Jays didn't, they they didn't do enough, right? unless you have Matt Chapman, right? So like I'm sitting there with Kirk at six, Bichette at five, Tiasker at three, a uh, less than one percent on Mustakis at three, who came out of the game. And then the two chalk pitchers from the later game. So I'm sitting there with barely any points. While uh, Orioles stacks and everything, they're they're lining up the leaderboard. If you have Jose Suarez, you were doing fine. So I'm like, okay, this is this is this. I'm 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 not cashing nothing. I'm not winning nothing. And then uh, then uh, didn't do badly, right? Because of, because of a 4.8 percent owned Josh Donaldson, 35 points, and a 1.8 percent owned Andrew Benintendi, right? Because if people play Judge, like Judge was double digit owned. But like not the rest of the lineup. Glaber Torres with twelve points at two percent. So like this is how I put together my lineup for for like smaller field type of stuff. Small not, not the smallest field, but the smaller field. So basically, I don't mind playing the chalk. I don't mind playing you know a three a three man uh, Blue Jays that that's owned right, but no Guerrero, no Vlad Guerrero in that. And then here you go. There they. I mean. It's the mix between ownership and projection. This lineup didn't actually project for that badly, right? In comparison to the ownership. That's why that's why I chose it. 
Bill Thomas says in the chat, my Oriole and Yankees 5-3 won me a GPB yesterday, but it was only in the quarter jukebox. Oh, well, if, you're, if those are the contests you're playing, then the, those are the contests you're looking to win. So like, the, oh, well, I, I only won the quarter the quarter jukebox. Well, if, you, if that's your normal contest, then that's great. Then you work your way up to the to the bigger contest, to the mini-max with the dollar mini-max or something, or you move up to the, the $4.20 max. You got you to start somewhere. So it doesn't matter. Winning the quarter jukebox is about as hard as winning any of the other large field GPPs. And if that's how you're building your bankroll, if that's it, or or you just you just continue to play the good. That's you can continue playing the quarter jukebox because you know that's you know kind of doing it recreationally. Then what's wrong with that? I mean, I don't know what's first play, what five hundred bucks or something like that, thousand bucks maybe the quarter arcade. So that's good. So don't go lol. It's like oh, but it was only in the uh, so. If that's if that's your goal, that's what that's what you should be. You know, I was playing that until this week. Okay, so they, but he stepped down and then he won. But that but that's the point. That's what you should be doing. Okay, like as your bankroll fluctuates, you should be moving up or down in stakes and in the variance of contests. Right, Mister Richard says he's now playing fifty cent minimax. Okay, because Mister Richard said Yankees helped get him out of a big hole last night. Okay, so Mr. Richard's saying that. Bill Thomas is someone else. Okay, I have to confuse, confuse my... I feel like like I, I like uh, the two guys from the Muppets. Like like Mr. Richard. Mr. Richard sounds like maybe I'm talking to a 78-year-old guy. And Bill Thomas is like his friend, right? He's like 68-year-old friend. They're all on the balcony just talking about, oh, those damn Yankees or oh, whatever or something, you know, tilting over something. That's what I, that's what I imagine. But if you got if you got anything to, to talk about, feel free to post it in the YouTube chat. But this is the highlight of like making making GPP lineups, especially in, in smaller fields. Like, that, dude, this was fine in a large field also, based on this ownership. But this is ownership in the one twenty one. So, so how do you get different? It's like you could still play plenty of chalk, and I'm more likely to play pitcher chalk than hitter chalk, right? Because pitchers are less variant. So. You know, Gallon, you know, Snell at 8,800, Gallon at 7,900. I mean, Snell had a little bit of a, Snell could have done better, right? He did, he, he had eight Ks, but I mean, he wasted a lot of pitches, right? His pitch count got high pretty quickly. Uh, Gallon, Gallon did well, but I mean, not as well as like, who won? Who won this? Mr. Post? Mr. Post. Right, see, Snell Gallon, okay, in the winning lineup, right? Here's Squirrel Patrol with Snell Gallon. Snell Gallon. Yankees and uh, and Orioles, right? I mean, Orioles, but oh, look, look, Orioles were, were owned way more than the Yankees. 15, 12, 14, 12, 7, 17. So decent, decently owned, not like chalk chalk or anything. Mr. Post, I'm assuming his lineup looked very similar to this. Yeah, but with Starling, yeah, the Mets were chalky, right? The Mets had the highest team total against Justin Dunn, right? So like, yeah, like, Avoiding a 31% though in Starling Norte, but uh, but he got there. Playing what? I mean, this what type of lineup is this? One, two, three, one like a three, three, a three, three lineup. Okay, so it's not it's not it's not as messy as I thought, but this is fine, right? Still played. I mean, low owned with high owned, and that's and you're good, and you're good. You're good. Simple, right? You just have to do it often enough. Right? He's a good search. He was in first for a while, right? 
Thompson and Bassett with the Orioles. Still in Starling Marte. I think it was the highest scorer on the slate for batters. No, no, no. Donaldson was. Right. Is Donald Donaldson's not even in the winning line? Okay, Donaldson is in the winning line. Okay, okay. Sorry. That's what I thought. It's like, no, Donaldson would almost have to be in the winning line. He scored way more points than anyone else. You still need to pair him with all the right players. Let me go down to some of some of these other guys. Let's see. Anything that I could. Oh, here's, here's Alan Lim. Roto Grinder's own. What did he play? Toronto, 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 Toronto. So five man. So Toronto and Cincinnati. Okay. That that was kind of the direction I was looking to go. To not play Bassett. Or what what is this? Okay. This is Toronto and, and the Mets. Okay, hold on. It's not Cincinnati. I'm looking at the CIN. So this is a chalky lineup. Like to me, this is a little too chalky. Gallon, Bassett, and then Blue Jays, Mets. Playing a 37 percent on Brad Nimmo. I mean, for the 121, that is this isn't like bad. But I prefer to get a little bit more. I, I I prefer the more difference on the bats. Playing when a third of the lineups have Marte and Nimmo in it. Like to me, that's the easiest place where you can get leverage. And if you're gonna play the Mets, maybe you don't play the Blue Jays. Yeah, of course you're playing Tapia and you're playing the bottom of the order, right? Basically, you played the bottom of the right bottom of the order, guys. Okay, it's not it's not it's not all that bad. I prefer to get a little bit more different than that. And who else do we got here? In the one twenty one. How many names do I reckon? How many names do I recognize? And some I do. Let's go. Let's go down. Can we find. Any, 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 it was me. Probably also find cash lineups. Like, like there's like, uh, like someone like McLovin. No, he didn't even play. Let's see. What else do we got? BK, BK, BK reader. Like, okay. This is a uh, Oakland, an Oakland lineup. Murphy Brown, Murphy, Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown, Bride, Andrews, Piscotti. Had barely any ownership. Then played Chapman, Judge, and T. Oscar. Okay, so kind of sort of chalk, like a five, five, two, one. If you're playing if you're playing Oakland. But very low owned. Very low owned Oakland. Not very, but Bride's eleven. So it's very said to me, this is very similar to my lineup. Just that I had the Yankees instead of the, the A's. Still Snell Gallon. So this isn't bad. I mean, it didn't cash. It didn't come anywhere near it. But I don't mind this. I don't mind this lineup at all. Chapman's 20% owned, 21 points. Judge is 15% owned, 23 points. Teoscar's 25% owned, 3 points. And then you have the Oakland stack. If Oakland does well, you scoot up and you scooch past scooch. You scooch past a lot of other lineups. Yeah, but this is my this is my preferable way of playing these types of contests. Play some type. Play have this have a low owned stack more than the low owned like secondary pieces, and still play the chalkier pitchers. A lot of people do the other way. They go, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the Mets five man and then just find random one percent one offs. I think you get the more of a benefit of the correlation on the low owned players. Because if the A's do well, you get like five players that do well at the same time that are all like single digit owned. 
Doesn't mean he can't make lineups that have chalk and then three long one-offs. That still could be fine. But I'd rather be more different in more spots rather than be less different in, in less spots. I'm going to play everyone at uh, 30% on, except for one guy that's 1%. So basically, you need the chalk to smash, and then you're one that 1% known guy to really kill it. It's easier to win when the chalk fails. I want to win the low-scoring slates. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad I won anything yesterday after getting like what? I have like 12 points. And heading into the 9 o'clock, 9.30, whatever games, I had like 9 points in my lineup or 12 points in my lineup. People are have like a hundred plus. I'm like, okay, I'm dead. Yeah, but I don't realize that like I only had three players in my lineup. Go four players, in my lineup going. Oh, but but since I didn't have the Orioles, I knew I real I pretty much couldn't win until I saw the Yankees ownership. I'm like, okay, maybe they're uh, if they put up twelve runs or something, maybe maybe I got a shot, a shot at least. Maybe not winning, but maybe a top twenty or something. Brian Wilson is in the chat. I'm pretty good at NBA, but suck at MLB. What concepts between the two sports should I consider to improve my MLB results? Well, my first question would be, uh, why are you good at good at NBA? Like, what make what what is what is the reasoning behind that? And also, what types of what types of contests do you play? ML the play the NBA is the biggest is one of the bigger outliers in DFS. Where it's there's less variance. There's, it's not an event-driven sport. Okay, that's the biggest difference between NBA and pretty much pretty much I would say most DFS sports, at least the ones that I play. And I play a lot of them. There's no, there's no touchdowns or home runs or goals. There's no there's no event where in one in one second a player could score a lot of points at once. Basketball doesn't work that way. Like in NFL, for instance, you could roster the fifth wide receiver on a team for 3,000 that only will see like eight snaps. Now, most people would say that's stupid. Most likely, I would tell you that's stupid. His target share is barely anything and he's barely on the field, right? But he's like, he's one of those guys that's like a sprinter. He can catch a 60-yard touchdown, but he'll only be on the field maybe eight times in the entire game, maybe. Six times the entire game, and even then, he, he'll stretch the field and doesn't even get it. Doesn't even get a target. You're like, well, I'm going to play this guy at, at less than one percent ownership, right? On one play, he could score like 14 points in NFL, right? He could score a 50 yard touchdown, right? 50 yard touchdown plus the reception, plus the six points for a touchdown, 12 points, one play. He can see the field for that just one play, and that's it. Short 12 points out of the blue. You have a guy that's been playing every snap as a slot receiver or some some, some type of thing, and it's like two for 20. And that's four points. Yet he's, he was on the field like 95% of snaps. And one guy could just do dip like that. Basketball, that doesn't work that way. Imagine if you're, if you're playing a guy that's, that's projected to play eight minutes, and then he plays eight minutes, and he's 3,000. Like how many points can he realistically score in eight minutes off the bench in NBA. There's no like, well, he could score like 15 points at once. In order for him to score 15, for 3,000 
in a GPP, you didn't need, I mean, you minimum 20, right? You're what you want 20 points at minimum. You'd want more than that, but 20 in eight minutes. Can he score the, he's going to take a 74 yard, uh, 74 foot shot. I mean, what, how do you score that many points? A st- he steals the ball and hits a three. That's five and a half points. Block, steal. I mean, like, can has it happened on occasion? Yeah, I guess so. But it's hard to do. Right? If, so, if, if someone's going to play 38 minutes a game versus someone that's going to play 10 minutes a game, unless you're Tony Snell, the third guy with 38 minutes has more opportunities to score points. And the guy with, that's barely going to be on the court, the way basketball is scored, you can't have a lot of points at once. MLB. Home run, won it back. Pete Alonzo yesterday scored, what, nothing? I think zero or two or something. He was popular. So on his, on his first at bat, you're like, guys, did nothing. Like, dude, in his last at bat, he could hit a grand slam. I mean, he could, have to, he could end up with 20 points in a matter of, this, of one, one pitch, one swing of the bat. That's MLB. NBA doesn't want it. You can't do that. Right? If someone has a snowflake heading into the fourth quarter, Right, some some nine thousand dollar salary player that just got out of the road that is 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 his third quarter rotation. And he's sitting there with twenty three fantasy points. It's like, well, he'll be back on the court for the last five minutes of the game, assuming it doesn't blow out. Like, how is he getting to seventy from twenty three points right there? It, it, I guess he's going on a compl- total run in six minutes, but I, I I don't see it. Right, probably doesn't happen. Probably. Maybe squeaks to a not a snowflake. Maybe. Maybe goes from 23 to 45. Especially if he's a center. If he's like Embiid or something. Get some steals or blocks. Maybe. But he can't get it all at once. So because NBA scoring is is, is much more iterative, the, the distribution of outcomes for players are much more normal. So, so it's a normal distribution sport, which means if you're using mean projections... They're gonna they're gonna come their their outcomes are closer to their their means, their medians most games. Within reason. I mean, within one standard deviation of the mean. Most of the games. Baseball, they don't have normal distributions. Joey Gallo doesn't have a normal distribution. When is well, I mean, I could, we can take a look at MLB. Pitchers have more normal distributions, but batters don't. Like we just take a look. I mean, we we could we could look at. I mean, different types of players have different standard deviations. Like the difference between Jose Ramirez. I mean, they're different prices, and Nolan Arenado. Right? There's a difference there. Like, look at all. Look, I mean, look at all. If we if we sort by salary, or just even even, let's see, just so apples to apples. Like. If we could play Vlad Guerrero, let's go to first base, for instance. Paul Goldschmidt and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Like, if this was basketball, like, Goldschmidt, as a higher one-point projection, is going to beat out Guerrero more times than not. Now, Goldschmidt is going to beat out Guerrero more times than not, just based on his projection. But the differences between Goldschmidt and Guerrero in baseball is much smaller than it would be in basketball. Because... The distribution is more normal. Rowdy Telez and Anthony Rizzo or something like that. Like, 
Well, one is a point three more in projection. Yeah, but one swing of the bat could change. Could mean one guy. One guy scores zero, and the other guy scores twenty three. In basketball, if you have two players at a similar price, you're rarely going to see. It's like okay, I'm playing. It's a thirty four hundred dollar guy with decent usage. Like, but it's a it's a a thirty four minute guy. Like two guys project in basketball. Like one's that uh, projects for forty five points, the other projects at forty five points. Like one may score like 36 and the other could score 52 or something like that. But like their, their outcomes will be closer to that number because of the way basketball is scored on baseball. It isn't. So you could be like, Oh, Goldschmidt is a better play than Vlad, a better play than Vlad Guerrero. But like, when does, when does Vlad Guerrero and Goldschmidt actually hit 11 and 10 points? You're going to see a lot more threes, 25s, you're going to see uh, one guy has six. The other guy has 19. So while the middle, the mean is 10 or 11, there aren't as many 10 or 11 actual outcomes. Like if you actually look, it's not, it's a, not a normal distribution. Which makes it harder to go, well, if I just go by the numbers, I'm going to play Goldschmidt over Guerrero. If I just go by the numbers, I'll play Freeman over Alonzo because of a 0.15 projection difference. Because even if Freeman has better outcomes on average than Pete Alonso, it's only 0.15 better. So you won't be able to see the difference between their outcomes for like, I don't know, 10,000 occurrences. And we just, you only get a sample size of one today. Basketball, that doesn't have, one guy's projected for four points higher than the other guy. You're not, you're not going to need a 10,000 slates for you to see that difference. You may need a couple of hundred, which means it's lower variance. But that's when you play MLB, you have to embrace the variance. NBA, you're less likely to embrace. NBA, yeah, I'm known as a contrarian player, but NBA, like the, those guys that are like projected for like 10 points higher than others, I just jam it to all my lineups. There's no reason not to. Well, they're going to be high-owned. They're not going to be owned enough. You differentiate elsewhere. MLB, you do the exact opposite. You're embracing the variance. Oh, did, uh, that's why I said 37% Star- Starling Marte on a seven-game slate. Nimmo, like the Mets yesterday, easy for me to just go, I'm not going to play him. Because it's baseball. I'm going to embrace the variance. Yes, the Mets are the most likely team, but they're not that most likely compared to others where they should be twice as owned as other teams. So I'm going to play the other team. Just understand that you're going to get it wrong 95 out of 100 times. Welcome to DFS. We have a 14-game slate tonight. There are 28 teams on this slate. One of these teams tonight likely will score 10 plus runs. One of these teams likely over 50% chance of scoring 10 plus runs. Which one is it going to be? Well, it's going to be more likely to be the Cardinals, but not the, it's the most likely, but still, oh, it's not 70% likely. Like, no, it's not that at all. They, 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 to score 10 plus runs, the Cardinals will have like a 2.8% chance or something. To score eight plus runs, Maybe they'll be at uh, 22% chance. 
right? Still higher than than Texas. To score eight plus runs, they'd be like a like a four percent chance. Lower, but not so significantly where one should be five times more owned than the other one. So now, if you're only playing one lineup, well, which team do you play? Well, dude, you could play Atlanta. You could play the Mets. You could play. You could play. You could play anyone you want. You could build a lineup with any team. Most likely, if you're playing, if if you're if you're if you're playing uh, Texas or whatever at a three point one six run total, they'll be almost none owned. Probably you're playing. You're probably playing the best projected pitchers because you already got all the leverage you want. Texas is not going to be owned, so play the best projected pitchers because you don't need to sacrifice any more projection there. And if you play multiple lineups, then you could do you can make fourteen games late. You could make a, probably a hundred. 500,000 lineups that are plus EV. Some are a little bit better than others. But a lot of them are very close to each other. And they contain like all the players in the player pool. Welcome to MLB DFS. Make plus EV lineups and lose 95% of the time and hope that the you're looking, you're aiming for top first place win equity. The 5% of the time that you that you do win, that you do profit. You want to make a hundred thousand, fifty thousand, whatever. You know, you can come in the top ten. If you're not building those type of lineups, you shouldn't be playing. And in MLB, you should be more more likely to embrace variance. In NBA, you're more more likely to embrace projection. MLB is more of a leverage and correlation sport. NBA is more of a projection sport. Very easy to spot. Giannis is out, and Middleton and Holiday are like six K. Right, Jordan Noir is three K or whatever, whatever you know. All the usage is like okay, and the pricing is completely inefficient. It's like, well, if you're not going to play Drew Holiday at fifty two hundred or something, playing thirty eight minutes without Giannis on the court, like what are you doing? He's he projects for like nine ten x at that price. He's his median projection is forty eight points or something, and he's going to be eighty two percent owned. You go, well, I can't play an 82% on guy. So why not? He's under-owned. NBA is an iterative sport. That the projections, you should that those levers, you're using the projection lever more than anything in NBA. So when you find that, that's why it's easy to they, like how you're better at NBA, it feels like. Because once you can identify those players, especially if you're using projections. Essentially, you're playing lineups that have like, you know, you find two or three of them, which you typically find with the injuries and everything moving around in NBA, like two or three slots in your in your lineups are kind of self, self-evident. So you're kind of only playing a five-player five, five player lineup, which is easier, less, less slots to get right in the long run. Baseball doesn't work that way. Well, maybe you have the, the pitcher spots are a little bit less varied. Scorpion says baseball at this point is mega stale. I don't know what you mean by stale. Maybe boring. It's like, okay, you're kind of getting sick of it. I, I get that. That's what everybody, that's August in general. I think August DFS, I mean, other than for me, because soccer comes back. So I, I, I like soccer. So I play soccer DFS. But if you don't play soccer or whatever, yeah, I could see August being a, ugh. like you, you don't, you don't have ba- basketball. You don't have hockey. You don't have football. I mean, you always have golf. That's once a week. 
rather than the showdown slates if you play those. But yeah, I can see it being like, okay, can we can we get on to NFL? Defect, do you build groups for pitchers only or hitters only or all of some? You can do whatever you want. What lineups do you want to build? And if those lineups include making those groups, then make those groups. Defect, you have to get, this is the main thing. You have to get away from the tools. Do you do this with this tool? It's like, well, yeah, when I'm looking to build lineups that have that type of dynamic in it yes yes i am well should i it's like well i don't know what lineups you're trying to build figure out the lineups you want to build you see this tool here lineup hq great tool it's what i use it's at roto grinders you can sign up it's part of the premium package click on that link in the description to get ten dollars off i like teaching in extremes because it, it beats you over the head with the point what I want you to do is X out on your on your browser, lineup issue. I want you to open up, if you're going to use projections, just open up the projection grid just to show you the, the numbers. Okay? Only do that. Do not open lineup HQ at all. Do not, if you're using another optimizer, don't, don't, don't open that at all. Nothing. All you could look at are projections if you want to look at projections. Then... Figure out the lineups you want to make. Go through it. Do it by hand. And I want you to figure out the lineups, all 10 players. I want you to add up all their ownership, and I want you to add up the projection. You can use a calculator. Use a okay, calculator app on your phone. Use a, whatever. Whatever you want to do. Do it the long way. So you did, you're going to go through. And maybe you're going to spend six hours today doing it. Go through. Do not touch lineup HQ at all. Do not touch a setting. Do not touch, do not nothing, nothing there. And I want you to go through and go, okay, what teams are owned? What teams are, what, what's the ownership of these teams? What are the ownership of those teams? What are the ownership at, at first base? What are the ownership at outfield? What are the ownership at catcher? What do the pitchers look like? Where's the ownership? Is it high salary here? Low salary? Is it high salary? Like go through all of that and then, then go, okay, five, Seems like uh, seems like this team is a little little under owned. Seems you may not even know, but it seems like it. They go, okay, let's say if I play this first base, second base, and you you plug in some things, and then you fit it around. You could do it inside the DraftKings app if you want, make it easy, and then you write it down on a sheet of paper and you calculate the the total projection, the total ownership. Then you go to an end. Then you go, okay, what what what's another type of lineup do I want to make? And just keep on doing that. Okay, it's going to take you a long time. I'm telling you, it's going to take you a very long time. Maybe in six hours, you're, you're able to, to make 20 lineups. Like on a sheet of paper and calculating it by hand. Okay? Once you make those 20 lineups, now open up Lineup HQ. And, and without clicking on these lock buttons, without clicking on anything, right, to force something in. I want you to make all 20 lineups at once. Now you're probably not going to be able to do all 20 at once. Now look at you, look at look at all the lineups that you have. Look at look at the pitching combinations. Like yet yesterday, let's say it's like, oh, I purposely made a decision not to play uh Snell and uh Gallon together. It's like, okay, now that's a group that you do. Because in order for the tool to do that, you need to put in the group, unless you're going to eliminate lineups that have both of them in it. 
maybe out of the 22 of them have Snell or Gallon together. But the others have like cheap, like lower owned pitchers. It's like, well, then I can't make that group because some of my liners will have Snell and Gallon in it. But I will probably have less Snell and Gallon, which means I'm probably going to be messing around with the exposure settings. Right? Make the lineups first by hand. Then go to lineup HQ and have it make it for you. Until you get to the point in which you can do that, you should not be touching an optimizer. Okay? And, you know, I'm going to say this, and I say this every time, because I've said this on this show probably 20 times. And at as out of this point, this show has been going on for about two and a half years, about a year and a half, something like two years. I've said, I've explained to, to do this. And you will get better. If you do this, you will become a world-class DFS player. I guarantee it if you do it. Overnight, no. Five years from now, you will be. Five years from now, you'll be playing $50,000 a slate if you wanted to and have an edge. If you did it this way. In, uh, in my experience, I've said this and I've told people privately, I've yet to hear someone that has actually done it. Other than myself. How did, how did I learn? That's exactly how I did learn. So I do that. I want I tell people that uh, if they're not profitable currently, they're not a profitable player right now, you should not be touching an optimizer for at least two years. Because you're not going to learn, you're not, you're, you're not going to use it properly without understanding concepts of line of construction for a good two years. Because you're going to think in terms of magic settings and exposures and things that you shouldn't be. I'm just giving, I'm just delivering the hard truth. And I know what you're thinking. Okay. There are, I, there, there are people that are listening right now. They're going, do I really have to do that? And my answer is, if you're saying that, you actually have to do it twice as long. If you're, if if that's your answer. And the number one thing that you're thinking is, you're the exception to the rule. Well, I don't have to do it. I'm good enough to do it. You're not. No one is. In DFS, one of the worst things that could ever go in your head is, I'm the exception. That is the worst. Well, I don't have to. I don't have to put in the work, right? I, I oh the past uh, the past three weeks I've been doing well. I'm just going to keep on doing what I've been doing because I don't. What do I have to? I could I could take these shortcuts. No one that is good at DFS has takes shortcuts. No one. In fact, most take the longest route possible. And I'm not talking about from from a bankroll perspective. I'm talking about from a Figuring out the game perspective. Like we have guys like Nerdy Tanner, Daniel Hutchins, that's in, that's in the chat a lot of times. That said that, you know, like two two years ago, three years ago, or whatever, he was experimenting with stuff, and he didn't want to put that much real money on it because he wasn't sure if he he wasn't sure if he had an edge, and he was and he's doing stuff that's like seventeen times more complicated than I do, that most of us do. And he's going through. He's going. I think I should have an edge here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna test it in the mini max, rather than in the the, the relay throw or whatever the, the the main contests. 
And he did that for a long time because he wasn't he, in his mind. It's like, I, I can't just be these, like there are other smart people out there. So I'm going to do all this work just to figure out if it's even worth doing for barely any money. And then once he figured it out, there's like, okay, maybe, maybe. And then he didn't even, if you listen to his interview on the theory of DFS podcast, he didn't even like put his own money down. He got backed. It's like someone else trusted his, his uh, data handling and his computer programming and says, I'll, I'll, you take a piece and I'll take all the risk. Okay. And then that's how, that's how he started. And everything, he did all that work just to find out if there was a purpose even doing it. Right. You, you see with tons of sharp players, it's not a matter of, okay, I'm going to show up and just ding, dong, ding, dong, ding. It may look like that to some people. though. It takes you five years to get to that point. I could go in and make line that lineup that I made this lineup. I, I made this line. I was only going to make one lineup. To choose this lineup took less than five minutes. I already know what I was looking for. I knew I wasn't going to play the Mets. I first looked at lineups. I ran lineups and saw, I ran a whole bunch, 300 lineups. I'm saying I'm getting a lot of Blue Jays. I'm getting a lot of Mets. I see the combinations and I go, okay, probably don't want to do that. Probably don't want to do this. Because I'm only playing one lineup. I could, I could make different different approaches. Some have this, some have that, some have this, some have, but I only have one. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to see like, how much am I giving up by not playing the Mets? Okay. Not, not as much as you think. No. Okay. So I don't, I don't mind not playing the Mets. How much do I give up by not playing the, 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 the chalky pitchers? If I play Bassett instead, but he's owned also. If I don't play, and I do that for like, that's like three and a half out of the five minutes. Then I take, take a look at like, where's like the ownership levels of, Okay, it seems like lineups in about this range look fine. Because I'm scrolling through, just looking at lineups, looking at lineups. Look, combinations, combinations, common. Okay, I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't, like, And then I was like, okay, I'm going to X out the Mets. I'm going to, I don't mind the, this combination. Uh, seems seems like the Yankees are a little too owned, too low owned. Right? So I'm like, yeah, maybe let, let's, let's see what the Yankees show up as. And then I run, I run, in, then I run like a, a, a set of like 20 or something. Once I look through all of that and I go and I go through the 20 and I go, okay, these, these adhere to that. It's like, yeah, but this has like a one-off there. This has a thing there. And then I came to this lineup and it's like from the ownership versus the uh, projection look good. Uh, not this lineup though, the, my lineup. All right with the Yankees. I'm like, okay. It's like Mustakis is leverage on, Ga- on Bassett who I'm not playing. So I don't mind that. Everyone's paying up at first base typically. Right. So I'm like, I looked at this 49, nine, whatever. I'm like, okay, done. I could have scrutinized it even more. I could have gone. I could have, I could have spent three hours to decide on one lineup, but the differences between this lineup and any other lineup I would have chosen probably very marginal. So it's like, okay, looks good. Put it in done. But I had, I already knew what I was looking for quickly because I've been playing for seven years. Right, almost almost seven years. October will be seven years. Are you at that point to do things that efficiently? Probably not. Then you have then you have like guys like like Nerdy Tanner and and Brick seventy five or whatever. They're programming that all into you know computers, computer programming. Right, they're running simulations. They're doing. They're making essentially making their system apply all those concepts for them without having to have to even think about. 
You know how long it takes to make one of those types of things? And then maintaining and managing and tweaking it and making it better? That's what they're spending all their time doing. Not just showing up and building lines. Yeah, it looks like showing up and building. It look it looks like that. They spent thousands of hours to make their process like that. Their process probably seven years ago was 10 times as long. It's like, well, if I do this and back test this and do this, and next thing you know, you spent your entire day building 150 liners for one slate. It's like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a fa- more efficient way of doing this. And then they, okay, well, I could cut this process down here. I got that. I could automate this here. I could pull that information from there. I could run that. I could do it, set a cron job to have this done overnight, right? So I don't have to wake up and have to pull data. And then I, next thing you know, it's like, oh yeah, as long as I have all the projections in and everything in, I could simulate everything in seven minutes, right? That, that's what they'll tell you. It's like, oh, seven minutes. I could figure out my lines. You know, well, how the hell did they do that? Yeah, it took, took them five, seven years. It took them all those years of, originally they were spending all day, but now they're not. That's how you should be thinking. Uh, Brian Wilson says, I'm going to start playing my lowest projected lineups and see what happens. Yeah, you're going to do worse. Not the lowest. You don't want to play the lowest projected lineup. You want to play the highest projected lineup for the lowest ownership. That's essentially what you're looking to do. Right, Defix says, I started hand-building with no tools, got lucky and won an NFL GBP early on, then dove into tools and have struggled since, right? Because you never learned how to, you're viewing, oh, this is what all the sharp people do. They use these tools. So tell me what settings to use in the tools. That's not the way it works. It's, they, they're good at DFS. They could, the sharp players, if I, if, if you took away all the tools, I'm not talking about taking away projections. I'm talking about just taking away the tools. If in order to make 150 lineups, you had to build it by hand, the sharp players that play 100 would, would still be the winners. They just take forever to build their 150 lineups. If one, everything was only single entry, the sharpest players would be the most successful also. And you took away the tools that they hand, and that you can only hand build, you can only type the name by name into an app, they'd still be the best. It's not the tools that make them successful. The tools make them quicker. That's all the tools are to make your process more efficient. And also as a research tool, I use it as a research tool, but I mean, I could do any of that in in Excel if I wanted to. And that's what most do. Not maybe not even Excel. You're you're running a Python script or something like that. You could could write an optimizer in Excel. It's going to be very clunky if you do, but you can. I could, I could, in Excel, go, here are all the players. Give me all the combinations of lineups. Now, on a 14-game baseball slate, my computer blows up. Or it'll do it, and uh, it will take forever. It will it, I, it will still be running weeks from now. <laughs> like that, because of how many combinations there could be on a 14-game slate. So if you want a GPP hand-building, why aren't you just continuing to hand-build? You should be hand-building until you're able to show up to an optimizer and say, I know I'm going to hand-build five lineups, and now I can make the tool build those five lineups for me. That's what you should be able to do. 
you'd be able to say, here are my five lineups. They go, okay, I have these guys, these guys. Okay, how do I get this tool to build those five lineups in less time than it is for me to hand build five lineups? That's essentially what you do. Adrian Anderson, same, same. I've won 2,000 a couple of times in GPP, just making up random lineups and luck, but still can't figure out how the Sharks do it constantly. They don't do it constantly. Sharks do not do it constantly. People don't realize. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a very profitable player, okay? In GP, I'm a profitable, I'm a profitable everywhere, but not, not in golf. Golf, I'm actually down in. But I don't, I don't play, I don't, I haven't played it in, seriously in years. If you're Squirrel Patrol, you do it constantly. No, he doesn't do it constantly. John does not do it constantly. He may have periods where variance is on the side, but there's also periods where he's down six figures. To you, it seems like constantly because he's playing every contest. Uh, so here's the here's the difference. When the sharp players hit, they hit big. Yeah, that well, that's the point. Your your goal, depending on how many lineups you're playing, how much volume you're putting in, determines of how often you need to hit big. Okay. If you're playing a hunt, if you're if you're playing twenty, let, let's okay, let's just say. You're playing 20 lineups of slate into the large field contest. That pays 100. Make a fictional example. Let's say you play every day. Doesn't matter the sport, whatever. You play 365 days a year, and you're playing 20 entries into a contest that gets 100,000 to first. How often do you need to win first place in the course of 365 days to be extremely profitable? One. That's it. Let's say it's a, let's say it's a, let's just say it's a $15 contest, $15 contest. And you have 20 lineups. So you're paying, you're paying $300 a day. Okay. $300 a day times 365. is 109,500. So, but of course that if you lost, if you went put, I'll put in 300 and lost it all, but that doesn't happen. Most days, most days you get more than half of your money back. Right, because you cash some of the lineups. You may have some days. Yeah, you have some days where you put in twenty lineups for three hundred bucks and you get back zero. But you have a lot of days where you put in three hundred and you get back two twenty. You you put in three hundred, you get back a hundred even, or you put in three hundred and you get four twenty five. Right, like you're not always losing all three hundred dollars. So if you play three hundred dollars a day for three hundred sixty five days, and you get back on average. Let's just say half of your money on average, on average. And I think that's conservative. So that means you're losing on average $150 a day. Okay. So that's, if you're playing 365 days, that's $54,750. First place is $100,000. So how many times for you to make about 45,000, 50,000 for the year, for the year, Playing every single day, 20 lineups. How often do you have to win first place? Once. You could lose 365 days, 364 days of the year 
and be wildly profitable. Wildly profitable. What that is, is describes me. If I win, typically I, I based on my volume, in, for GPPs only, I need to win big to some extent twice a year. Like wh- once a year to break even. Twice a year is a great year. That's it. That's it. Literally, that's it. Last year, I, I hit uh, MMA for $116,000. That made my year. Like, I could lose every day of the rest of the year, and I'll still be up. And I'll actually probably still be up a significant amount. $50,000 or something. Once. Once. Because I'm not playing 150 lineups most of the time in a lot of sports. Hit big once, once in a year. You could lose every day otherwise. Be wildly profitable as long as you're building lineups to win that once. So the goal is in consistency in GPP. The goal is winning big once in a year, twice in a year, in a year, in a season. I'll play MLB for 180 days. If I win once, Win 50,000, 100,000 once. Wildly profitable year. Every other day I could lose everything, right? That's what it is. Now, if you're playing 150 lineups, now you have to scale that to like a month. Like you, in order to be profitable, you have to win at least once per month. And even then, sometimes you're not profitable, right? You put now, now, you're putting in, let's say it's 100,000 at first. We do that also. 150 lineups now. 150 times, instead of 20 lineups, you're putting in 150 lineups. So 150 times 15 times 15 is 2250 a day. And let's say on average, because you're, because you're diversifying, whatever, you still you still get back, let's say, on average, like 1550. Let's just say, on average, 1550. So that's... I mean, not fin- eh, like 14. Yeah, you'll, you'll go something like that. Like 12, maybe 1450. Maybe you're losing 800 bucks on average a day. Let's just, yeah, that, that seems about reasonable. Okay. So $800 a day you're losing. 365 days a year in this fictional example. That's $292,000. So you would have to win $100,000 three times in order to, in a year to break even, just to break even. Now, some of them aren't even 100,000. Sometimes sometimes it's 50,000 a first, right? 50, 100,000 a first. You're going to have to win four, five, six times throughout the year just to break even. Just to break even. This this is only the, the, the large field contest. We're not talking about like the 777 and now you're also playing on FanDuel or whatever. So it's like, if you're not, if you're not averaging like, Winning first place in something like at least once a month at that volume level, then you're losing money. So that's why it seems like, like, oh, well, those guys are winning all the time. Yeah, it was different people on different days. It's not the same person. Someone goes on a run. Oh, they won four times this month. It's like, okay, that month made up for their horrible, whatever, NFL season where they lost three quarters of a million dollars. There's still, I've seen Roto Tractors graphs where, 
someone 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 wins $600,000 on a on a NFL weekend and it's like oh now they're even now they're even on the season now they're even on the year so when you see often it's cuz they have people have a lot of entries in MMA I, a lot of times in MMA I'm playing 100 100 lineups sometimes I play a 150 on a larger slate I have to win more I have to win first place more often if you're playing 20 lineups you don't have build 20 great lineups you big once a year, you're 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 rolling it. You're Scrooge McDucking it. You just have you have to you have to understand that. Because mentally, if you don't understand that, you'll be people come to me and say, uh, I I've 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 lost I've lost money on every slate for the past three weeks. Am I doing something wrong? I go, past three weeks? What do you what do you? And I and sometimes I wish I was only losing the past three weeks. I've been losing the past six weeks. Goes, oh, that yeah, dude, you can and if an NFL season is what 18 weeks now? Main slates plus the Thanksgiving. If even if you don't count showdowns, you get 20 main slates, maybe. That's like three weeks of MLB. So if it's like, oh, the past NFL season was bad. It's like saying the past three weeks in MLB are bad for GPPs. It's not talking about cash games, I'm talking about GPPs. So once you put that into perspective. What's your your expectations are wildly too high, wildly too high. I always bring up this fact that two years ago, only because I did an analysis on it on, a, on an MLB season, I played like like almost two hundred slates of MLB. This was like two thousand nineteen or something. It was a, it was a MLB season where I I I came in I won one I came in second and I had like a couple of like top fives or something like that. It was a good MLB season for me. And I asked, I asked, I asked people, it's like, out of those 200 days, what percentage of the days did I lose money? Meaning I got back less than I put in. And they thought, it's like, okay, well, I mean, you could, people thought like, okay, you're going to lose more often than not. And, but people were telling me I mean, half the time, 60% of the time, 70% of the time, like, like 60, like people are doing 50%. Oh, the half the time you make money. Half the time you don't type of thing. I was like, no, I lost money 94% of the time. They go, wow, how much money? And then they go, wow, how much money did you lose on the season? I said, I was up $35,000. And you go, how the hell do you do that? It's like, well, you know, the 6% of times that I won, there were a couple of really big ones in those, Right. Because I'm playing lineups that come to try to come in first or last, not cash. With their 15% rake or whatever, you, you're not going to cash often enough to, to, to do 1.5x yourself and 2x yourself to a profitable season. Most all the positive equity plus EV stuff is in the top spots. So if you're not building lineups to get in the top spots, then what the hell are you playing GPPs for? But it also means you're going to lose. I mean, like uh, 22% of the field don't gets paid or something in GPPs. So like 70, what, that 78% of the time, if everyone was equally skilled, you're going to lose 78% of the time as it is. That would be normal to lose 78% of the time. Normal. That would be the normal. You know, well, good players should lose less. No, actually, good players lose more. Lose often, more often. Because take a look at the, the, pay, the pay scale. You're wanting to increase the variance of your lineup. So you're going to, your, your lineups are more likely to appear towards the top or towards the bottom rather than in the middle. 
which means you're going to have a lot of slates where a lot of lineups, a lot of lineups you're playing are dead or die. They die. And you're living and you're doing that every single day until it's first to last, first to last, first to last. And finally, you go, oh, sixth place. It's like, okay, a couple of grand there. Okay, that's fine. Then you wait around and you just wait, you wait for the binks as long as you're playing well. Sometimes you got to wait a while. Sometimes you got to wait a while if you play, even if you're playing great, you got to wait a while. Sometimes they happen. Sometimes you get in a month, you get three of them and then you don't see anything for a year. I mean, like it could be that you don't have any control of what the hell is going on other than the lineups that you're playing. Marino says, why don't you play golf DFS? Figure to like it, of course, of the volatility. It's actually not as volatile as you think. The problem is, is that uh, in, in in PGA, if you analyze the, just on DraftKings at least, uh, the highest predictor of, uh, of fantasy points is ownership. Whenever that's the case in a DFS sport, that means it's not, it's not that high edge. It's the only sport that I've ever seen that, that's like that. The pricing that the pricing versus the ownership versus the projection is very efficient. Doesn't mean it's high. It's it's high variance. I agree with you. You're right. There's a volatility on that. But when the biggest if like oh this guy's going to be 26 percent owned, like he probably should be 26 percent owned. These guys aren't over owned or under owned. Like when it, the predictive power of just ownership is higher than the actual like strokes gain stats or anything like that. That's always the, that's when I got, that's when I pretty much got out. I said, when, when the best predict, when I could back test two years worth of slates and go, which is the biggest predictor of fantasy points and it's, and it's ownership. Like in other sports, ownership is like 16th on the list. Right. And that, that's, that's what you want to play, right? Where ownership is not a predictor of success. But when ownership is a predictor of success, then where's the edge there? Like, right? Oh, so I'm just going to play the highest owned plays. Well, you can't, you're not going to win first in a large field GBP that way. You need leverage. But as you get rid of leverage, you're actually losing out because, because ownership matters. Oh, ownership, the number of the higher on the player is the more likely they're going to be successful based on previous, you know, previous data. MJC is absolutely right. Treat DFS like a somewhat long-term, somewhat like, no, you should treat it like a long-term. Okay. It depends on what you consider, not a 20-year investment, but five years minimum, right? Just stick to the same process until it hits. That's absolutely right. And that's why bankroll management. That's why I'm a nit. I'm not a nit in how I play DFS. Like you take a look at my lineups and go, wow, you had balls to play that in that contest. I'm like, yeah, if I think it's plus EV, I will play it. But I play less than like one percent of my bankroll on a, on a on a day. A lot of times, even in soccer, sometimes I'm like, okay, I got like 0.4 percent of my bankroll in play. That's it. Even with an edge, just like I'm not going to take two hundred dollar head to heads with Saramek. What's the point of doing that? There's no contest. It's like okay, this contest has uh, ten thousand a first and and four hundred dollars to sixth place. I, I ain't playing that that contest. I don't care if it's the the main GPP in soccer. I don't, I'm just not going to play it. I'll just play head to heads and cash games. And sometimes even the small field GPP, they'll have, they'll run a $200 GPP and it's, and that is like, 
Oh, it's 10K to, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, 15K to first and like 5K to second and 3K is, and, and 1K to third. And, and 10th place is $300. It's, you know, it's some bull crap like that. Like, I ain't even playing that one. Okay, fine. I only have $400 to play. So be it. But I'm, if I don't have an edge, if I don't have, I'm not going to put it in. There's some MMA slates. This is past MMA slate. I only played three lineups. I only played six lineups. Because two fights got canceled. It ended up being like a 10-fight card. with with And the two fights that got canceled were mid-range fights. So it's like it makes... The, like, the, the construction versus the, the, the likelihood of being in the winning lineup was just like, I'm going to run into way too many dupes. So I was planning on playing 75 lineups in the large field contest, and I just I just went through from all. But I'll play some of the smaller field stuff and just play six lineups. I ended up making money. You know, I did, did pretty well. Uh, I mean, yeah, I made like 2,400 or something in MMA this past weekend. So that's pretty good. Didn't bank or anything. But, like, that's... I play less volume the less I see there's a reason to play it. So that's that. That's the bankroll management aspect. Well, how could you like when when I, I used to play like the, all the vomit stacks, and I still do on occasion, but it's not as advantageous now that it was before. Uh, when I was playing the Marlins and the Reds, and I was I was doing you know the A's on a slate, like really bad teams. And it's like, what's the vomit stack of the day? It's like, oh, it's the Tigers today. And people are like, oh, you must be threatened, and then they they rarely come in. But on a day where the Marlins put up like. 16 runs people would be messaging me going i looked like you, you you should be winning all the money right sometimes sometimes i don't have them sometimes i do but most of my mlb wins have been on those types of teams and you go well like how how did you know the tigers on that day how did you know the reds on that day i didn't i just do this every day until i wait, wait for one thing to happen right i lost a lot of money doing that and then i'll bink and I make five times more than I, than I should when it happens, right? So it's that, yeah. So you have, you got to spend money in order to make money. But you keep that process, and you keep the the set your bankroll manager. Not oh, I've 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 lost over a week. I need to double down now. Like that's the gambler's fallacy is the worst. So just play a small a small whatever you think is a small percentage of your bankroll. It's probably not small enough. And I see, I see people, I see people that did well. I mean, I would, I would, in, in the, the Road to Grinders Discord, it's like, oh, seems like this guy's doing well. And then like three months later, he's like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a big rut. Like my bankroll is, is, is shot. Like, how is that possible? So didn't, didn't you win like 40,000 or something? It's like, yeah, but then I, then I played the, I played 10 lineups into the, into whatever $400 contest every day. Like what, well, why, why are you doing that? And it comes back to, let's go right around to what I said before. Well, I thought I was the exception. Well, I, oh, now, oh, now that I, I won a hundred thousand dollars. Now I, now I could, now I could play, now I could play 10 lineups in the $88 contest, even though I was not playing, I was only playing $200 a day. Now, oh, I could play $4,000 a day now. $5,000 a day. I'm the exception to the rule. It's like, no, it doesn't mean you go back to necessarily playing four hundred dollars a day, but now you're playing six hundred, eight hundred dollars a day, right? Play less than one percent of your bankroll, unless you know you have an edge, unless you know for sure. It's like in this in this specific thing, yes, and then you you push your chips in. Yeah, I get it. If you know for sure, but if you don't, you shouldn't be moving up like that. 
And that's what kills people, right? Because it's like, okay, you're playing, it kills people that do well. Imagine me. Like, it's like, okay, as long as I, as long as I bink twice in a year, I have great profit. Yeah, at the current level. But imagine it's like, oh, I bink and then it's like, okay, now I'm going to, now I'm going to be playing five, ten thousand dollars a slate. Well, if I go on a rut, then like it's going to wipe out my fifty thousand dollars win in a course of like two or three weeks. So why the hell would I do that? Now, if I win during that period, of course, I can make like five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, sure. It goes up exponentially from there. But my goal isn't to make millions of dollars. My goal is to make fifty to seventy five thousand dollars a year. I'm optimizing my my play and my process and my bankroll management for that. So that's what I do. So I, pro- I probably left a lot of money on the table over the years, probably. But it would have also increased the chance that you you don't even know who I am now. So I did that back in 2017. Maybe, maybe I would have gone broke and I'm mean, like, okay, DFS sucks. I'm out. I'm out of here. But that that gets that gets that gets good players also. Do you get overconfident? You win, you you play well and win, and you win twenty thousand dollars in a night when you're normally playing two hundred dollars a day, and then you decide, oh, tomorrow I'm going to play the five fifty five. Well, what what's so special about tomorrow? Other than you won twenty thousand yesterday, do you have extra edge on this slate and a different field with sharper players? No, then why the why are you playing it? Well, because I have more money in my account. So, what percentage are you playing? You should be playing percentages. What is your bankroll? Well, my bankroll is fifty thousand. It's like, okay, what's what's what percentage are you playing? You want to play ten percent, five thousand a day? I mean, that I consider that to be way high risk. You can. That's a percent at least. So, at least if you do that and you go down to twenty five thousand, now you're only playing twenty five hundred a day. So at least it does just a percent up or down as you go up or down. I wouldn't do 10%. I would think more like 2%. The $10,000 bankroll, I'll play 2%. That's what? $200 a day? There you go. That's what you'd be playing. With a 4%, whatever, something like that. But as t- if 10000 goes up to 20000 now you could play twice as much. Now instead of 400 you're playing 800 but if you're if you go on a bad streak and now you're down to five thousand, now you're only playing a hundred dollars a day, or hundred fifty dollars a day, or whatever. Like that's how you should be treating it. Not on whether or not, like, oh, I bink yesterday. I'm going to treat my, I'm going to treat myself for no treat yourself for what? What makes tomorrow special more different than yesterday? You're doing the same type of process over and like it's just I'm going to do the same thing I normally do. Then wait for the money. So you want to you want to exponentially get higher as your bankroll goes higher, sure. But you shouldn't be. Oh, now I'm going to put twenty. Oh, oh, because uh, I, I I had a good score in 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 NBA. I'm going to max enter the Millie Maker tomorrow. Like what? Like th- that's the stuff that you have to get out. Get at. Why? What are you doing? It's real money. It's not just numbers on a, on a screen in your account. It's real. It's your money. Add it to your bankroll. You play a percentage, and that's it. You may move up in stakes. You go, okay, now now with that percentage, now I could play $800 a day. So for the extra volume, I'm going to play 10 more extra entries into this, or I'm going to do the single entry 121 instead. I'm going to do like, 
Allocate it whatever way you want to allocate. But it should be done based on a percentage, not on, you know, willy-nilly type of stuff. Uh, MJC, are you playing in the 150 max with only one to 10 lineups? Okay, yes, that's what that's... Dude, that is what I do! It's very rare that I have 150 lineups into a large field contest. It's very rare. Dude, I think all... Literally, all of my, all of my wins... Lot biggest wins in GPPs. I've ne- I've never maxed out. And in fact, my like my biggest NBA win. I think I had four lineups in the contest. I think I had four lineups. I think hundred thousand. I had a fifty. I I won fifty thousand dollars. I think I had fifteen lineups. Right, something like that. But you have to build lineups for those types of contests. The, what people what people do is go. Well, I only have three lineups. So I I, I I I don't I can't afford to lose. Like that's not how you play large field contests. You you should be playing three lineups that are. I mean, look at the look at the lineup that I played yesterday. Like, and this is small field single entry, but even if large, I mean, just like okay, well, if the if the what happens if the Mets score ten runs? Well, then I lose. So be it. I, I only have one lineup. You got to play the Mets if you have one. Let, that, that's that's the, you, you have to avoid that. What is the contest size? What you build a plus EV lineup for the contest that you're playing. If you're playing large field contests, build large field lineups. You're playing NFL and some running back is going to be 35% owned that you'd think shouldn't be, should be less owned. And you go, well, I only have three lineups. I got to play him in one of them because what happens if he goes nuts? Like you shouldn't think that. You should go, all three lineups are obviously not going to have that guy in it. And I'm going to play, I'm going to play the line stack in one lineup, and I'm going to play this thing in this other lineup. You're playing large, you're playing large field contests. Even if you're playing three lineups, play three lineups that could win a large field contest. Don't worry about it. You only have three lineups, right? They're $15 each. Well, I want to get some of my money back. Like, no, then the, if, if your a- attitude is I want to get some of my money back. Then you shouldn't be playing uh, GPPs, as we as we get some porn bots in the chat. Okay, so we got we got some lessons today. So people ask questions. We got we got some answers. Got some stuff going on. We got uh, grinders live later today, five o'clock Eastern. Large, large late. 14, 14 games late. That's followed by crunch time. Kevin Roth will be there with the weather. We got the weather report up here. We got some places to watch: Baltimore, Philadelphia, maybe New York. Right, he'll be there. All the guys will be there. Breaking down everything for you. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Yes, give me those tummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit that notification bell to know every time that we go live. And uh, yeah, we had a pretty productive day on the show, teaching some stuff, answering questions that I've answered before, but I don't mind when I see new people that have those types of questions because I'm that's what I do. That's what I do here. Eleven o'clock in the morning Eastern. Answering your DFS strategy questions like I normally do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.